I mean, we talk about this notion of congruence in our human engineering, human performance engineering balance, this notion of matching the work structure to the organizational structure or to the informational structure or some other dimension of human structure. And that congruence, I think, well, it was an elegant theoretical concept for a while. I think we realize this year how important that harmonious matching and how many of us have been in Zoom meeting where the purpose was to do something like working on a document together and it was a disaster because that was exactly the wrong work environment for that task and vice versa. When sometimes we all go into a physical meeting and these are not just the two dimensions, by the way, physical versus virtual, in which it's becoming very unproductive because one person grabbed the microphone and everybody else just checked their email. So it's understanding better that harmony or that matching between what people do and the environment that facilitate that doing is important. I want maybe to dig a little deeper. Karine, you spent the last few months doing something really interesting, which is going around the greater Boston area and visiting deserted offices or offices that were very partially populated. Tell us a little bit about that project and what did you see? What did you learn? What did you expect from that study? So I came in with zero expectations. As I said, like the whole beginning of the pandemic was very devastating for me, especially as an office designer, when everybody's like leaving the office and everybody's talking about, well, you can design Zoom spaces. I'm like, no, I will die before I do that. It's almost becoming a cook when everybody's going on a diet. Exactly. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre sensation. I was like, okay, this is ground zero. And I was miserable and morbid and it was dark and it was just sad. And I just sat there and I was like, well, you have to do something with yourself. And one of the things that I kind of said is like, I'm going back to basics, the DNA of design. And the first thing that you do as a design thinker, which is really big now in all the business schools, right? All these design thinking projects. Basically, it's an exercise of observation, note-taking, making serendipitous connections between different cultures, ideas, poems, history, newspaper articles, podcasts, whatever it is. And it's like a melange of things. And then you come out with this beautiful space. And it hit me one day as I was looking at a Facebook memory, which were awful, by the way, to look at during the pandemic, right? It was like the life before or the before life. How Like there's all these like phrases that I can't even say them because they're intense. And there was this photo of this window of an office space in Boston. And it was like my aha moment of how to solve this space. Like that window was the key to solving that space. And I was like, oh, and it was a beautiful space. And it was just occupied like barely a few months before the pandemic broke. And I was like, I wonder how it looks like now. And that's what started it. And, you know, there was a slew of emails that I sent right and left. And like everybody was connecting me to people. And I started just by getting a good camera. My first love is photography and just going there and just documenting. And first of all, I got a sketchbook, right? That's what it would do. We get a sketchbook, we put a photo and we start writing and we start documenting. And I interviewed a lot of people. And my friend that came to like dealing with death, right? When a person dies, some closets are emptied out immediately, but some, all the clothes are left there for years or the room is untouched. 
And it was kind of like that. Some offices were like, it's all neat and tidy, the caution tape over, all the kitchen attire, all the stickers of the six feet and going up in an elevator for the first time. And, you know, the seats were there, but there was like a box with all of the people's stuff and their personal belongings from their knickknacks on their desks. And then some offices, it was just like Pompeii. Like there were Halloween candy from the year before and a newspaper from March 9th, 2020 and a calendar on March 2020. And it's written like dad's birthday and things like that. And that was even harder. That was very eerie for me because it was just there's something about the neat and tidy that it's like, okay, feels like an office in movement versus the left behind. And it was a lot of reactions. You know, some people were, you know, we started this and we did this and we did cocktail night and we did, and I don't know exactly what the end result will be of it. But what I have learned, and this is kind of my hope, is there are some low tech companies versus high tech companies versus urban spaces and suburban spaces. And I wish we could create more synergy in the workflows of places of low tech, you know, manufacturing, essential, what we call and so forth versus the high tech sitting at home coding. And we all need a little bit of this and a little bit of that. For me, I think that's the key for moving forward is understanding what worked in those environments versus those environments. And each approach brings something else to the table. And I think it's fascinating. I mean, there's also like, other considerations of like the environmental impacts of driving into work every day or in urban settings, what happens to all the small businesses around it when office people don't arrive? So I don't know if there's a straight up answer. It was definitely a fascinating process. And I'm just now starting to sift through the photos and figure out what to do with this project next. It must have been beyond the emotion that you must have felt getting into places. It's almost after you know, a nuclear explosion or something, you know, the deserted places. I and mean, then Hollywood is making a lot of hay out of these loops, you know, like post-apocalyptic almost looks. But the question that interests me is the degree to which you will be able to derive some design principle. As you said, that was part of a design thinking uh, impetus, way to which you will derive new way of thinking about office design for the future how those those static pictures were there and how do they drive the design. And I am really curious about how you're taking all that in the next steps. Maybe you'll so come back to the, yeah. to the podcast and tell, let, let us know. I think there's two steps that we need. Like there's two key words that I continuously have in my head is one is flow and the other is flexibility. And I think the other piece is that I find really fascinating is Initially, when people go back in the spaces, we have to be very, very careful of not changing too much. We're all in some sort of post-trauma and there's something very gut-wrenching, like coming to a space that's completely been redesigned without you there. I think that can really scare people away. And I think rather than focusing on redesigning the space is kind of adding more places of respite, of reflection, of pause, and to acknowledge that there have been some sort of personalized work rhythms that we need to acknowledge and take note of it and not be too quick to return to that same pace. So a lot of flow, flexibility, we don't have to do this so fast all the time. We can redesign as we go too, and that's okay, completely okay. 
That's really an interesting project. I'm really eager to see some of those pictures at the next expo, I guess. You're going to show it to us. 